Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, where we bring awareness of sustainable health in a business hustle space. The Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing, business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve success and optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to life coach Chelsea Carter, who will talk about anxiety and how you're able to reprogram your brain. Chelsea Carter is a certified life coach, coaching, guiding women from past trauma to self-love. To this day, she has completed most of the things she wished in for life, from studying BA politics and law, and then MA global communications and development at American University of Paris, to working at the United Nations Human Rights to guiding people as a life coach, traveling around Asia, and working in the non-for-profit organization Ecofem in India. Chelsea is also currently studying a master's in neuroscience and psychology at King's College London. Some interesting facts about Chelsea are that she used to race cars when she was between 11 to 16 years old. She came face to face with a cobra coming out of her bathroom in India. She absolutely loves languages and speaks two native French and English, Spanish fluently. She's also learning some basics in Italian, Arabic, German, Tamil, which is in India, Bahasa, which is Bali in Indonesia, and some Thai. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, Chelsea. Hi, Mihaela, and thank you welcoming me to your podcast you're and most, hello everyone else <laughs> you're most welcome wow i don't know which one to talk about i don't know if we'll talk about the cobra or we're going to talk about the languages i mean what happened when you were face to face with a cobra that's crazy yeah it was it was it was really funny actually in a way um i was in the in the bathroom so i just came out of the shower and I opened the door and there, there was this cobra and it just started to freak out a little bit, but stayed very calm because I always remembered that if you were face to face with a snake, you have to stay very calm, but it lifted its head up and opened its mouth. And that's when I was like, okay, but I stayed very calm. It was impressive. And I just closed the door very slowly and stayed in the bathroom, but it was interesting because the bathroom had, um, a gap at the bottom so throughout the bathroom almost there was a gap so I thought okay it can come through anyway <laughs> if possible and um at some point I thought okay I'm gonna open the door a bit to see if it's still there if it's gone and as soon as I did that I started to freak out again a little I was like oh no why did I do this it's gonna come in the bathroom and in the end it didn't it, it was gone and it was all fine oh my but, gosh yeah, did I, you end up finding it later <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I I was in a um, guest house that was kind of in the middle of a forest in uh, Oroville. And so, yeah, it was, there were lots of animals and critters always. I mean, we were used to seeing Scorpios walking around, (laughs) but the cobra was like another level, definitely. Yeah, that is definitely another level. I mean, I haven't come across a cobra before, especially face-to-face. So I guess you reacted pretty well. And it's good that you reacted well because today we're going to be talking about anxiety and your brain. So (laughs) (laughs) that's absolutely amazing. So from your intro, you know, you've done a lot. You've finished a few degrees. You've even, you know, worked at the UN Human Rights You've worked at a non-for-profit and now, you know, you're a life coach. I mean, I wanted to find out what have been the key turning points in your life journey to where you are today. Okay, that's a big one. (laughs) Um, Basically, it was a lot of different kind of dramatic events in a way. And I think that's the case for most people we almost wait until something bad happens and then it's a wake-up call for us to actually step into what we're supposed to do um so for me it was a, a bunch of people in my family who got sick and then while I was working at the United Nations I had cancerous cells so I went to see my gynecologist and it was an HPV that turned that was turning into cancer So she told me, you're one step away from cancer, we have to operate. And I just, 
as I usually did back in that <laughs> in that time was to just move on with things. So I would just the next day work hard and work even harder than I was working before. And after the UN, I went into a complete burnout as I was working kind of almost around the clock and um, have a friend who passed away and she was 25, passed away from bacterial meningitis. And all of this was within a two year lifespan. <laughs> so, so it was a, a lot of different kind of very difficult events and went into depression for a couple of months. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to go and reach out for a therapist. And I found this amazing therapist who really helped me and had me read books uh, by Don Miguel, The Four Agreements, The Fifth Agreement, and The Mastery of Love. And reading was a way for me to heal. Like I started reading a lot <laughs> at that time. I read Sapiens and um, Homo Deus and uh, 20, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century and a, and a lot of other books. And so it was really opening my mind to new knowledge, which we'll get to later, but actually opens new neural pathways. And um, also started running. And that's when I started understanding what runner's high really was. I mean, I used to run a little bit, but then during that depression, I started running a lot. <laughs> and I realized, wow, okay, like the endorphins and dopamine are really kicking in right now. And I would run for an hour without realizing it way and I started doing yoga and humming 24 7 as soon as I had negative thoughts come in and singing and dancing and so I was doing all of these different things and it was almost like I was my own lab experiment <laughs> because I realized okay this is interesting how come it's actually impacting me this positively like I literally feel the changes inside and so I started reading and informing myself on these different activities and that's when I realized, okay, I always dreamed of becoming a coach, even while I was working at the UN. I'm going to sign up and life is short because my friend kind of reminded me of that. So I'm going to sign up and become a coach. And that was a couple months later. So it took a while for me to get there. Like started in the summer and basically in May, I started the coaching program journey. And um, yeah, the adventure in Asia started as well in August, where I always wanted to work for that organization. I had worked for a previous one in 2015. And I thought, okay, I'm going to work with EcoFam. I love this organization. And they work on women's rights and menstruation. And it's really a topic I'm interested in. And so I was managing the life coaching classes until 2 a.m. in the morning uh, in your time because the, the, the program is actually in California, the journey program. And so I was managing that and then doing the um, communications for EcoFam during the week. So it was interesting. It was a, I always somehow end up doing multiple things at the same time and trying to also stop doing that <laughs> because then it just gets to be too much um and traveled throughout asia and so was in india and then went to thailand and bali indonesia and finished with vietnam and then corona started and literally had a panic attack <laughs> by the way <laughs> so yeah that's that's basically it that that's a lot of things and a yeah. lot of turning points it's a lot of turning points to where you are now so are you currently studying psychology is that right yes i mean right now it's on pause because there were a couple um events that happened that led me to take a break from <laughs> from the studies um it's also we'll see if i actually end up continuing the masters or not because with corona there's this other dynamic in learning online and doing everything online without having a proper teacher and all of these different things so we'll see we'll see if i actually it's very robotic there's mcq exams and it just it just doesn't the human aspect is kind of getting lost so i think that's what corona is really telling us as well and that's how people are actually going to these different mental states. So yeah. we'll see if I, yeah, 
we'll see if I actually continue or not, but it's very interesting. Yeah, nice. So, wow. So you actually got got a little bit of a health scare and that's what kind of kicked off the whole journey, the health scare, a friend passing away, a close friend, family things and so forth. I mean, it's, it's crazy and, I mean, you would have, been working so hard for the UN, working, being burnt out and so forth. So essentially keeping yourself busy and working so hard may have led to some health issues happening and then which led you to where you are now, which is amazing. But I wanted to find out what what does success look like for you right now? I mean, I guess success back in the days working at the UN and working so hard would have been different to what it is now. Yeah, it's interesting because originally we kind of think that we need to, at least in the Western world, we need to be in these high positions in order to be successful. We need to be popular and have millions of followers and all these things that in the end, um, to me, don't have as much meaning anymore. Um, And what I realized, when you get kind of that scare of being that close to cancer or having people who pass away who are close to you or who are sick, you just get back to the basics and you just realize that actually being successful and happy, at least for me, is to have food in my plate and have a roof over my head and to be able to actually take care of myself and to be in a good place um, mentally, And to be able to actually pursue my dream job and all of these different things for me are successful (laughs) and are what success means to me. So, yeah, I think that for different people, it may mean different things. But definitely, I think it's important to understand that we don't have to be here in order to be successful. It can be a day-to-day thing because my grandmother always said what you do today, there's a little bit of tomorrow in it. So um, I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's an absolutely beautiful saying and a beautiful reminder for all of us to take the day as it is and not, you know, push so much. It's like just move slowly and you're going to reach it. If you have that goal, that, that's absolutely amazing. But let's let's talk about today's topic, which I'm so excited about, and I'm sure the audience is also anxiety. So anxiety and how you are able to reprogram it using your brain's neuroplasticity. So I know it's a lot of words chucked in there, but let's under, let's just start off with let's understand what is anxiety? Are you able to explain that to us? I mean, a lot of us may feel like, you know, someone goes, oh, I have anxiety. That person has anxiety. But what is it actually? Anxiety is really feeling uneasy. So it's feeling worried or scared. Uh, it can come, it can stem them from actually a bunch of different things. So it can be PTSD or panic attacks or um social anxiety agoraphobia so fear of being around a lot of people uh or claustrophobia these different things and also when you have anxiety there's a chemical reaction in your brain which is that it actually releases cortisol um so this is actually what makes you kind of feel that way and and our brain actually always manages to kind of get us back to a stable place even if it doesn't feel that way (laughs) and so yeah it's it's uh it's quite interesting and if we actually have too much anxiety then it gets complicated in terms of the neurons um actually and then and the neuron receptors um so that's that's when we have to be careful so you can have generalized anxiety disorder for example but this goes on to really another stage because that means you're anxious all the time but usually there's a root cause somewhere so I think that's also something interesting in our western culture is that we provide medicine or so antidepressants which actually block the dopamine pathways so the chemicals that actually make us happy which is interesting because Um, people who have schizophrenia or different kinds of disorders will end up sometimes stopping the medication because yes, it stops the paranoia or the thoughts, 
but then they actually don't even enjoy the simple things in life anymore because it blocked those chemicals. So I think that's an interesting point in that we also need to get back to the basics and the root cause of why we are feeling that way. Once we've identified the root cause, then we can actually move on and find ways to heal. I think that's a big part of it. I don't think we always have to. It depends on the person as well. So no one should feel anxious <laughs> about not finding the root cause. Sometimes it's um, also intergenerational trauma. So it may have been passed down to you. So that's also something that can be in your hormones and your cells without even necessarily realizing it. So that one, for example, may be more difficult to figure out. Yeah, because I was going to say, you're saying root cause, but I guess there'll be some people that will be like, I'm just feeling anxious and I don't know why. And I guess that answers the question and where is it from? And that's what you just said, um, generational, like that's been passed on to through the cells and so forth. Um, yeah, are you able to touch upon that just a little bit? Um, I can't expand much more on, on, on intergenerational trauma, but um, yeah, it's something that may have been passed down from your parents, your grandparents. It may be something that you're, you're not even conscious of or aware of. And I think going back to your point, when someone says that they don't know why, it also may be that that person doesn't want to know why or hasn't searched because like there's that. a fear yeah there's a fear there too in in actually figuring out what this is and sometimes with certain things like anxiety or PTSD things like that we can actually feel like it almost becomes our identity and that's when there's this weird comfort zone which i always call the discomfort zone <laughs> which actually it's not comfortable to be in it but we end up kind of thinking, okay, but what if I'm actually happy and feel good and what person will I be then? <laughs> so, yeah, I think those aspects are also things that need to be considered. Yeah, I like that you mentioned on there that some people just don't want to dig into why. It's easier to say, oh, I don't know what it is. They don't know where my anxiety comes from. But if you actually sit down with yourself or with a healthcare professional, you know, a coach and so forth, you dig deep into that and then it's right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what can be scary sometimes, even when you go see a therapist or a coach. And I mean, I always tell my clients, if you're going through deep trauma, for example, or just trauma generally, it's good to go see a therapist and a coach simultaneously. And if it's just like light anxiety that you have on a day-to-day -day basis, then someone can come see me or another coach. But I think that's also important to mention that you can go see a coach once you've actually dealt with most of your trauma or you can go see a coach simultaneously with the therapist. Yeah, that's an absolutely great point. I wanted to know your thoughts as to why it would be that like person A may have gone through the same thing as person B, but then one person has anxiety and the other person doesn't. What would you what would you think is happening there? I think it 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 depends. <laughs> it's kind of the nurture nature debate. Is yeah. it uh, the environment <laughs> we grew up in? Is it the parents who actually impacted our way of thinking? I mean, our brains are absorbing everything in a way, and whatever is around us, whatever society dictates in terms of the norms and all the rest of it. So I think sometimes it really has to do with the way the person grew up and their, yeah, their upbringing with their parents and what kind of safe environment they were raised in, if they were overprotected or not enough, kind of a balance there. And like I said, I think a lot of anxiety has roots in other things so it probably comes from some kind of trauma someone in their childhood who may have been abusive towards them or a situation or an event that they witnessed uh, someone witnessing for example a death or something that can even lead to complex trauma 
So that's another another level again. But yeah. it's always um yeah. <laughs> so I guess it goes back to I mean what you've been through, what the yeah. scripts are in your head that you've you know you've been telling yourself, other people have been telling yourself your beliefs and things like that. So it's not just what happens in that moment when you are exposed to that traumatic event that gives you anxiety. It's everything that's happened beforehand and then that has led to that. And then that's the expression. Is, is that kind of like, is that kind of why person A would have anxiety and person B wouldn't? Yeah. And I also think that, again, um, related to that, it depends on your sensitivity. And it just like with trauma, someone will be, um, for example, you take two women, one, they, they both, they both went through a car accident and they mm. both went through an abortion. One woman will be um, traumatized and will have PTSD from the abortion and the other one won't. And the same thing with the car accident. And I think in a way it's the same with anxiety is that some people are also able to regulate themselves faster because probably it's linked to also their upbringing and how much balance they were given. I mean, there's different experts in psychology who believe, you know, like Winnicott, that there's this relationship with the mother and that the mother may have not um, breastfed the child properly and all these different things that, that can kind of lead to anxiety. I mean, even a birth that, you know, is unconscious, we don't remember, but our body and it's somatic, our body remembers that, that, that we've actually been through that traumatic birth. So that can also lead us to feeling anxious. Wow. Yeah. You can go back. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely crazy. Cause I don't know about you, but I don't remember my birth. So no, no, I don't remember. <laughs> I actually don't remember much before I was six years old. So yeah. 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 About, I think about the same. I think I remember a few things when I was like four five, but like random. Um, but yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And then we, mm. I see like, you know, three-year-olds around me, kids, and I'm like, you know, communicating with them, making memories and I'm like I'm gonna remember it but they're probably not yeah yeah and it's also it's interesting with memory because we will think that we remembered something at age four or three and that's why it's tricky because we'll have a family member who will show us photos and we'll say you know you did this and that and and then when we tell it we're almost convinced that we remember it but it's actually someone who told us a story or showed us a photo so then it becomes it becomes difficult and our memory with time changes. So we will actually end up changing the event. Like people who have been through 9-11 will tell the story differently each time they tell it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how our memory can also play small tricks on us. I mean, that's not really a trick trick, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I can, I can see how it could be beneficial, but detrimental at the same time. Because I think I was watching a documentary a few years ago and it had to do with like cults, like camps, where they would reprogram people to believe all of these crazy things that happened to them that didn't. And I was like, oh, my gosh, our brain is just extraordinary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many different experiments where they managed to make people believe that they were this or that. And, and it's really what we tell ourselves and what we repeat because I think we've really grown up to be conditioned <laughs> to certain things. So it's kind of like Pavlov's dog, where they actually try to see if it's going to develop saliva every time they give it food. And um, I think here it's, it's the same. We've been conditioned to think the way we think. But the good news is we can actually try to change that and condition ourselves positively even though conditioning doesn't sound like the nicest word but but it's uh it's an important aspect of who we are as human beings as well yeah so we can take the negative and the positive but whilst yeah. on that 
I wanted to know about negative thoughts. I've always heard that, you know, like when you're thinking negative thoughts, it's like you're, it's like you're making yourself a pathway in your brain where your brain just goes that way just because it's you like if you had this negative thought in your head for like, you know, years and years and years, it's kind of like you're paving the pathway in your brain. But how do negative thoughts actually impact our brain and what actually occurs in our brain when we think negatively? Well, first off, negative thoughts are normal. We all have them. Uh, we have about Thanks 85. for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we have about 85% of our thoughts that are going to be negative and 95% that are going to be actually repetitive. And that's because of who we are. We're homo sapiens. And so as we developed as homo sapiens, uh, we developed what's called fifth degree mentalization which is actually having the ability to think about the thought. So we started to worry about the past. We started to wonder about the future. We worried about our dead ones and all the rest of it. Whereas Neanderthals were actually very much in the present. <laughs> and, and in some ways, I think we should go back to Neanderthals. <laughs> but, but with Homo sapiens, what's incredible is that we managed to create art and all these different things around us and uh, books. And so I think that there's a lot to be said also about how beautiful in a way, having this process of thinking about a thought can creatively impact our world and makes it more interesting in a way. Because first degree mentalization is a spider, for example, it just knows it's an entity, that's it. Uh, second degree mentalization is cats and dogs. So they know they are an entity and they know you are an entity and that's it. <laughs> and third degree mentalization is knowing that someone else is thinking a different thought. And fourth degree is the Neanderthals. So being really in the present, um, they didn't really have the same things as we did as Homo sapiens, which is five fifth degree mentalization, so thinking about the thought. And our brain, interestingly, developed as we developed throughout society. So when we started creating fire, like our brain also started to develop here, tools, and our body changed as well. So we went from the chimpanzee to the homo sapiens, but in our body and our brain, everything started to develop as we developed as well. And our thought process came with that. Wow. So anxiety, negative thoughts, all normal. <laughs> it's who we are. <laughs> but we can also manage them, which is which is very important. That's crazy. I never even thought about thinking about a thought. Like now that you said that, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, I, I, I do think about thoughts. And it's crazy yeah. because like I wouldn't have thought about it. But now that you say it, I'm like, no, 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 this is true. I do think about thoughts. It's an interesting concept. Um, yeah, I wonder I wonder what the sixth one is, what's going to happen to us. We'll see. <laughs> but normally if we have a six-degree mentalization, we're not going to be able to understand each other because every time there is that evolution gap, it's like there's a new species that's smarter in a way. I think animals have lots of capacities that we are still unaware of. So I think sometimes it's very big of human beings to kind of say that we are the superior species. <laughs> we believe time, we want to think that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But every time there's a new species that's kind of developed, then there's going to be a gap in between how we can actually understand one another. And I think with the new babies that you can actually create from what eye color you want them to have to if you want them to be an Olympic swimmer, those kinds of things, which actually Yuval Noah Harari writes about in his second book, Homo Deus. So it's all about the future. I think that's when we're going to have interesting human beings <laughs> that are going to develop. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of be like another the sixth <laughs> one, maybe like AI, artificial intelligence and, we can't yeah they'll just yeah it's 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 crazy because yeah. we can kind of like see it kind of coming because there's been this huge shift of things occurring in the last you know 
50 or so years, whereas back then it was kind of like the same stuff, the same stuff, we've been doing the same stuff, and now it's kind of time for that. It's kind of hitting that gap closer and closer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so so we'll see what, what happens. And yeah. um, going back to um, anxiety and negative thoughts, what's also really interesting with anxiety and negative thoughts is that when you have negative thoughts, they're actually sticky in your brain, literally. Whereas positive thoughts actually are slippery, <laughs> which kind of explains that when we have positive thoughts, it's more difficult to keep them, whereas negative thoughts are like just there. <laughs> and, and until we've actually managed to go through them, they're going to stick. Um, and like you mentioned with the neural pathways, as we create um, positive memories and positive thoughts, it's going to open up and create new neural pathways. So you literally have an impact on how your brain is kind of developing and growing. Whereas if you have negative thoughts, it actually kind of eliminates some of those neural pathways, which is a bit worrying in a way. It's like, okay, I can actually delete or eliminate some of those negative thoughts. And then on those neural pathways, there are masses that can form. So those masses are actually when you have trauma, for example, like PTSD, and you have thoughts that kind of go into overdrive <laughs> you just keep thinking about the thoughts um so so that also explains it in a in a in another way yeah that's so interesting how negative thoughts stick and then positive ones slide because it's kind of like um you kind of go oh why can't i think about like if you're upset or something or you're going anxiety why can't i think about good things like I always really think about good things and it's like the bad ones just stuck there. And it's kind of like, and it feels like that. A lot of people use that terminology. They use that like it's stuck on me, like that thought is stuck. And you've just explained mm-hmm. that, like it actually is stuck in your brain and it can even yeah. grow a little, what did you say? You can, it can grow like a little lump on it in regards to a trauma. Yeah. Mass, yeah, exactly. Mass. That, that is crazy. Yeah. So even the language that we use is, is mm-hmm. kind of like what you've explained, like that negative thought stuck on me. I've got anxiety, negative thought stuck. But then you said a key word is until we work on those negative thoughts, which is yeah. an interesting thing. And I guess this is where neuroplasticity comes into play. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, neuroplasticity is learning from an experience. So, a very simple example is your mom told you not to touch the stove. I've done it when I was little. <laughs> you touch the stove and it's hot and you learn from that. And that literally creates a new neural pathway. But we can also create new neural pathways by running and reading and doing yoga and all sorts of activities that will, as we learn, expand our brain in a way and make it feel better, literally and chemically. <laughs> So, so what is neuroplasticity in, in, in our brain? Like if someone goes, I don't even know what that word means. How would you explain it in really simple terms? So it's really about learning, like I said, learning new things, which yeah. will develop your brain. And the neuroplasticity is literally making your neurons kind of like um, plastic. Like um, <laughs> you can actually expand them so it's about expanding your brain through the knowledge that you're creating or the life experiences because it's not just about um knowledge in the books it's also about what you experience in your life 100 percent. And, and anyone can anyone can use neuroplasticity in their brain i mean do you have to be a certain age do you have to be a certain gender anything or does it just work with anyone um, normally it works on, on pretty much everyone. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or a neuroscientist, yeah. so I think they would be able to delve more into that than I can. Um, I think it depends, depending on also maybe hereditary disorders and things like that. I think then it can make things more difficult. Um, but overall, I think most of us can <laughs> it, it depends i really can't um expand too much on that because i yeah. don't have enough knowledge on that 
Yeah. I mean, when I first found out about neuroplasticity and I read research on it and things like that, it just blew my mind. I was just gobsmacked at the fact that we can actually, in easy terms, I know it's more complex than this, but change our brains, change our neural pathways. I know it takes you know, effort, it takes time and it takes the willpower to want to. So I guess how is someone able to use this neuroplasticity and reprogramming their brains to assist them with their anxiety and their negative thoughts if they have any? I think you made an excellent point, which is that we actually need to put in the efforts in order to feel good again in order to be healthy again mentally and physically i mean it's easier to watch tv (laughs) than to do yoga or go for a run or read a book all these things so i think that's that's where um including some of these activities you love and i insist on that word because it's personal each of us like different activities And as you introduce those activities into your daily life, you will actually develop better mental health. And I really, like I said in the beginning, felt like I was my own little laboratory (laughs) animal. (laughs) And um, and that's when I, um, yeah, when I understood the impact of all these different components and actually you can reproduce the same chemicals that you know, antidepressants are supposed to help you with. I mean, then again, it again depends on the individual because some people really do need antidepressants, um, whereas others, not not as much. But generally, I think we do need to go towards um, softer mental health and other ways of healing. And it's interesting because I've had discussions with people sometimes it's like people forget or haven't looked into it. But in Africa, in Asia, in so many different places, people know. They know that singing and dancing and reading and all these different ways of healing exist. And I think that's that's really important to to keep in mind is that all these different components together can make you a happier and healthier person yeah you're so right i mean when you look at the traditional people of any you know any culture or any country they know what's right and they know what to do like for example here in australia the aboriginal people they have story time that's about talking about stories around the fire and passing on knowledge information values and so forth to people but they also have dances they've got art they've got all these spiritual practices which is so beautiful and i mean i don't remember the last time i did any of those spiritual practices in a way you know which kind of makes you think a bit and be like wow like they know like you said they know what the right thing is i mean they do this dance around the fire and you look at it and you go that's a bit different you don't see anyone in the backyard here doing that you know but maybe we should maybe we need to yeah definitely and and like you said we are actually stories we're made of stories and uh in in sapiens in yuval noah harari's book he explains what differentiates us from animals is actually our stories the myths that we have so the biblical myths all the different um the torah all the different religious books the quran all these different books are stories that we have um and then there's also gossip so all these three things are really what make us humans and and the way we communicate and get organized as well we have the capacity to organize um quite fast but some animals are, are really interesting as well in the way that they can actually organize themselves like bees and ants and yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah it's so interesting how we um yeah how we communicate and and these days a lot of the stuff that we do is we don't really tell stories much we do a lot of scientific research so we use a lot of science to do things and it's like is that a story or is that where you know it's kind of like what's going to happen in a few years time when we don't have these stories anymore and it's just like well science says this and that's it it's black Mm. and white you know yeah and at the same time i think um science 
become stories, just like news, everyday news, world um, history <laughs> becomes history. So yesterday's news is today's uh, history. Yeah. And I, I think with science, it's, it's, it's the same way. And I think that there's um, really interesting stories there as well. But I think in, um, in our society, in the Western world, we forget about intuition, about how we are actually just creatures on this planet. And sometimes we just have to get back to the basics with that. And we can intellectualize all we want. And um, yeah, just always going back to the logic and rational and facts. It's important, but I think it's important to also have a mix and know that we do have instincts. We do have things in our body and in our mind who say, oh, there's something there. And we have to listen to that more. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love it, having a total balance between both. And you did mention a bit of balance at the start also, having the balance between, you know, what you, just having a balance in life, a number of things. And you mentioned at the start the balance between neurotransmitters. It has to be a balance. It can't be blocking it off or, you know, having a surplus or something. You need to balance it up again. But I wanted to find out if someone that's listening to the audience right now is listening to this is like, you know, they suffer from anxiety. They have anxiety, um, if not every day, every second day and things like that. So what would you th- recommend for someone who, or, you know, your advice or information that you could provide them with for someone who has anxiety, what would be the first, second, third step for, for them to do to be able to, I guess, overcome it or reprogram their mind? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first things I have clients do as an activity, even outside of the session, is to track. So to write down when you had that anxiety, what it was, how it felt, and when you do that, you actually are more, you become more in control of yourself. So if you realize, for example, connecting the dots, that your anxiety is always when you're around people in the subway, for example, that's very concrete. It means that maybe you have agoraphobia. Um, it can be it can be a bunch of different things, but just knowing that will help you find solutions to actually relax and understand that you're fine and going back to the brain earlier on um, when we have anxiety or even PTSD it's irrational so it's at the back of our brain that's the amygdala and basically it activates and it's like almost shutting down the rest of our brain up till our logic our prefrontal cortex So there's an exercise I have clients do, which is to ask themselves, am I being logic right now or are my thoughts based in fear? And most of the time we realize that they are based in fear and it's not rational. (laughs) What, what, whatever fear we may have may come from someone somewhere else or someone else, like I've said before, but in the end it's not rational in that moment it can be an event that happened and it's just reoccurring in your brain there's nothing to be afraid of that's also going back to our human evolution with how we are homo sapiens we also scanned we're constantly scanning for danger are we going to get attacked um is there some animal around us things like that so we still have that primal aspect in us, which is why when we have anxiety or PTSD, that hypervigilant mode of scanning for danger is even stronger. So I have clients, for example, scan for safety. That's what I call it. So if you're in the subway or in uh, or at work at your desk, for example, you look around you and you actually try to find friendly faces. You actually try to see that there's nothing wrong with the situation, that everything is fine. And you kind of just reassure yourself back to that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And talking about the office, I actually, I think like two days ago, I read a study about how open offices are actually making our um, anxiety and making our stress worse. The fact that, that we are facing our back is 
like back is uh, vulnerable. So anyone can, for us, like you said, homo sapiens, anyone can attack us from the back. And that is a huge stressor for ourselves. So actually having an open plan office or working office for them as an increases our anxiety with and stress and our cortisol without us even knowing because exactly what you said we are constantly scanning scanning what's going to happen is someone going to attack us from the back is the boss going to yell is there going to be someone walking past that we don't get along with and so forth so yeah how it interprets to our modern everyday life working in an open office yeah, and it, it, it makes absolute sense because I think in a way we all need our little cocoon as well where we feel like, okay, I can concentrate and work. And again, we're, we're all so different. Some people are more social, some people are more introverted than others. And I think in the end, we're all a bit of a mix and it depends on season kind of. Yes, I, I agree with that 100%. I'm so glad yeah. you said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and back to what you were saying about the, the door in a way, the exit. So it is a fear of like attacking, but it is also a fear of like not having that capability to run away fast in a way to have that exit. So when even when you're doing an interview with someone in an office for a job, it's better not uh, to have your door behind your back because it's going to create kind of anxiety Um in order to actually get away fast kind of in a way yeah it's so interesting facing like that and also if you do work in an office like how you place your office where your desk is it kind of goes back to feng shui in a way but it's kind of like just looking at it in a sense of like you said for your safety and making sure you know you can ask yourself do i feel safe here you know like think about your thoughts (laughs) so and, you're, and we're capable of doing that. But going to back to what you said, if someone has anxiety, I love that the first thing that you said is tracking. I think that in itself is going to just do major, major changes and it's going to change the person's anxiety levels, the person's awareness, just that little activity because us as humans will be we'll problem solved. We look at it and we go, ah. Oh, well, these link, these link, this links. Oh, okay. It's it's so good to get someone to track it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because we are caught in the irrational mode. And so as soon as we make it rational and realize how irrational we are in that moment, then, then it kind of gets us back to, okay, I'm fine, actually. Why am I going crazy over this? Yeah. And everything is fine. You know, even just um distraction is a big one as well in terms of decreasing your anxiety levels because we're thinking about the thought right so as we think about the thought the thought just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it just takes us down that road so we have to get back to a place where we're no longer just thinking about the thought so we're distracting ourselves for example naming the different objects that are around you in your head and as you do that it will actually decrease your anxiety or placing your hands for example on your desk or feeling the floor beneath your feet you're grounding yourself and you're actually feeling the surface and thinking about the surface rather than your own thoughts so all of these different techniques and there's lots of them (laughs) that can help you decrease your anxiety and cope cope with it because I think when you've had PTSD or other forms of different things that led you to have anxiety then you kind of need to cope with it on a day-to-day basis and eventually will decrease with time like I used to have uh, PTSD because I had an abortion so for seven to eight years I had strong PTSD lots of negative thoughts and um, through time I had less and less triggers, less and less things within me that were um, ignited. And going to see different professionals helped a lot. I think it's really important to go see people for the food you eat, um, for your body, have a kinesiologist take care of it, or take care of you, a um, naturopath, um, a coach, a therapist, like just try lots of different things. I think that's that's what really helped me and I think it's what we should all try and do more. Like getting a massage will release tensions that are in your head, literally. So 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that vulnerable um, story about, you know, the miscarriage and things. I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because there's so many individuals that go through that and it is trauma. And like you said at the start, it depends on the individual, how they deal with it. And having exactly what you said, having a team around you that looks after your mind, uh, physically, mental, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and so forth, it's, it's key to have a group of individuals, practitioners, health around them that can support you. So when you do cross that trauma that you know it's going to cause you anxiety or PTSD, or you may, you deal with it then and then. It doesn't come up in 5, 10, 15 years' time. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's really the objective and it's important to be gentle and kind with yourself throughout the process. And we tend to want to have it just kind of done. And you know, why am I feeling this way and all these different things. But in the end, it's really, like we said, throughout this discussion, it's really your brain that went there and it's really this event that triggered you. And in the end, it's normal. Mm-hmm. And trauma, for example, is actually developed out of growth. Like our mind literally goes there to save us because it doesn't want us to repeat that event. So we repeat it in our mind to remind ourselves that we don't actually want to go through that event again. That person who abused us or that event we witnessed or having been through an abortion or miscarriage or whatever other trauma you've been through. So our brain essentially is trying to help us out. It's not doing it to be negative. It's not doing it to be mean. It's not doing it to put us through torture. It's actually doing it so we learn and so we develop. Exactly. It doesn't feel that way when you actually are going through it, but that's really what it's doing. Yeah, it never does, 100%. And touching on the point that you mentioned a bit ago is about the distraction. That technique does absolute wonders for myself, for people around me. I've had that. If you haven't tried that distraction technique on yourself or anyone that's listening, it is absolutely amazing. For example, if you're having an anxiety attack or you're having anxiety in a sense, and it's just simple as can you spot anything green in the room? And then you're looking for something green because you're getting distracted. You're not thinking about that negative thought that's sticking in your head. (laughs) You're actually changing it around. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that is an absolutely amazing technique. Okay. So you've mentioned a few practical tips, which are absolutely amazing. You've given us, you know, the distraction, the putting down our thoughts, so many other things put into it. Have a healthcare professionals around you, have a whole team around you. I mean, so many things you've given us. I wanted to know, is there anything else, any pract- any other practical tips that you can that you may want to share with the audience that can also help them with their anxiety? Yeah, I think what really helps is to every day listen to yourself, listen to your energy levels, listen to what you really want, want to do, want to eat, want to drink. Uh, I think our body tells us a lot of these things so I think it's important to listen to that and those days where you're feeling bad or anxious it's telling you something it's a message so it's telling you that there are still some things that you need to work on and again be gentle with yourself so there are all these different techniques that work for different people sometimes it's about confronting you know, that anxiety and kind of going, okay, it's this gremlin in front of me. So that's the Rick Carson's technique where there's a gremlin in front of you and you put your negative thoughts inside of it. You give it a name. So call it whatever you want. (laughs) You can call it Golem or I don't know. And tell it to go in the corner and punish it. Or there are reverse techniques where you can actually kind of cuddle your negative anxiety and kind of tell it that everything is going to be okay. So I think it depends on your personality. It depends on how you view things or even in that moment, what kind of thing you need. Do you need kind of like tough love or do you need kind of like understanding and sitting with with that emotion? And sometimes it's also just about exactly what I said, sitting and kind of just even closing your eyes or leaving them open, but just witnessing your thoughts And like we said, we kind of have this tendency to analyze and like go into strategy and all these different things and logic and facts. But here, when you listen to your thoughts, just let them run through. Just understand that it's normal. You're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to have weird thoughts. You're going to have dark thoughts. You're also going to have beautiful thoughts. You're going to have beautiful memories. 
and introducing some of those beautiful memories back into your brain and thinking about, you know, when was the last time I really laughed with someone? When was the last time I really enjoyed myself or felt alive? And if there's not that moment, because some of us have experienced different things in our lives and it's more difficult to kind of see that silver lining, try to be more in the present and observe things around you in nature and see kind of the leaves moving and being in the present is one of the best gifts you can have. Like going back to the Neanderthals, you will actually be in a happier mode if you're in the present than thinking about too much in the past or the future. Um, so I think that's that's also a big one. But listening yeah. to yourself. Listening I love to yourself. that. Listening to yourself yeah. and being in the present moment. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I think when we are in that moment, we're like, oh, my gosh, I want to spend more time in this. And then life takes over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, we have that capacity to, We I always say that it's energy over time. We have that capacity. If we have that good, positive energy, we can actually slow time down. We don't always have to be in this speed, speed, speed mode. And in fact, if we are, at some point, we're going to burn out or we're not going to be as productive. It's contradictory. Like we think that we're going to be more productive is if at 7 a.m. we get to our computer, tac, 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 we start to work. No, if we actually take our time and listen to ourselves, what do we want? What do we want to do? What do we want to drink? Let me just enjoy this moment and just be and also, you know, if, if you want to be in movement or be still, but before you start work and even in between work, take a break because it actually makes you more productive. Yeah, 100%. I love that. You've, you've just said that so beautifully and absolutely amazing. Definitely 100%. So now they've given us so many tips. I mean, the audience is overwhelmed probably and it's like, I'm going to write all this down, which is absolutely amazing. I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us. I wanted to ask to finish off the Natural Podcast, as this is a Natural Podcast, I ask all my guests, what is your best cap natural health hack? You may do this every day or it's something that, you know, you cherish as a natural health hack. What, what would that be, Chelsea? Yeah, it's a tricky one <laughs> because I feel like, um, like I said, like listening to yourself is a big part of it. Being gentle with yourself is a big part of it. Using these different techniques mm. is a big part of it. So throughout the day or even days, I kind of just switch it up around. I would say, though, that every week I kind of start with, okay, what do I want to do this week? Like, what is something new I want to introduce into my life? Like, do I want to start this whatever 21 days or 30 day challenge thing? Or do I want to start my own little challenge with myself? And that goes back to the neuroplasticity and can open up new neural pathways. It goes back to my job too, which is helping people figure out some goals that they want for themselves each week. And um, also my personality. I've always been like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Beautiful. That's absolutely amazing. So look, we've come to the end of this absolutely amazing podcast. We've spoken so about so many amazing things about anxiety, negative thoughts, neuroplasticity, you know, and so forth, and some practical tips to help with people's anxiety. So if people want to find you, where would they be able to access you? And if they want to get your services, how would they be able to do that? You can find me at chelseacoachcarter.com or on all the social media platforms almost. So Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Chelsea Coach Carter. And don't hesitate to send a message or ask a question. I am here for you. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> and like I mentioned, um, right now with Corona, it's even more important to really be gentle with yourself people are working so you're working from home um you don't really have as many breaks perhaps as you used to commute between one place to another so really just be gentle with yourself and what's going on and remind yourself that the energies are a bit off with this corona and what can you do to feel more at peace every day what practice can you introduce yeah or who they can um, work with, such as yourself, <laughs> to help them with their everyday. 
yeah, exactly. Or other professionals or a combination of professionals. I think that's really what's most effective is to try different things because some people will say, you know, I tried that. I don't like it. And then kind of give up on their mental health or their nutritional health or their physical health. But then it's about connection. It's about connecting with that one professional. And it's also about just trying different things. I tried hypnotherapy. I tried healers. I tried coaches, um, therapists, uh, kinesiologists. Like I've tried a bunch of different experts and some of them were amazing at what they did for me in my opinion and some others in my opinion were not as great and so it just depends you just have to try different people try different things and and see what works for you really that's absolutely amazing thank you so much is there anything else that you want to touch base upon before we go i mean we've spoken about so much and we've we've provided so much value to the audience which they're so grateful for Um, I would say that my mission is actually to make mental health affordable, make coaching affordable, because I've had so many people tell me, you know, therapy is way too expensive or these coaches are way too expensive. And really making that affordable, especially now with Corona, I think is very important because people are in very different mental states. Even myself, I found myself this year and and past year kind of going like okay I'm not so good right now which is normal it's normal and and we also have to accept our different states we can't be happy and positive all the time like we have a range of different emotions and so yeah don't hesitate to contact me or send me some of your friends or family members who who may need to be accompanied by someone and like I said I'm not a therapist therapists are there for you for your past trauma to process your trauma and as a coach I'm really here for your present and your future and uh, figuring out solutions with you and, and objectives really to enhance your life amazing absolutely amazing and I'm going to put down all of your details in the show notes so people are able to access it well Chelsea thank you so much for joining us on the natural health podcast Thank you, Mihaela. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who listened. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for joining us at the Natural Podcast. And remember, the missing link between failure and success is your health. <laughs>